Thank you for downloading the Wings Museum podcast. In this first edition, we'll be finding out about the larger aircraft restoration projects that are keeping the museum's team of volunteers busy behind the scenes. My name is George Chatwin. I'm a retired aircraft engineer, trained in the Army Air Corps, and then went on, had a career with British Airways. And as an aircraft engineer, I lead a lot of the guys that are not aircraft engineers, but they have an engineering background, and explain to them how we do things on aeroplanes. And the guys are quite well adapted to, to get on with what we, what we explain to them. We're at the end of a Wednesday Volunteers Day and I've been watching you working on various things most of the day. George, could you give us just a, a, an overview of the various aircraft projects that are going at the moment now that the museum is shut for the winter? OK, we've got about um, four major projects going on. This aircraft here is the Douglas Invader, which was a Second World War, late Second World War, ground attack bomber. And the bomb aimer, there's a bomb aimer's compartment, the bomb aimer would, would fly in the front and the pilot would do his job uh, flying the aircraft. And between the two, they would pick out precision targets, mainly to affect transport, such as uh, railway junctions, major road junctions, bridges, things like this, to try and slow the Germans. And this aeroplane served with the 9th Air Force, which was the air force that the Americans used to support the invasion of Europe. So as the troops were advancing, this aircraft would make sure that they had a clear advance, in other words, taking out targets to prevent the Germans from reinforcing their front line and giving the army a, a, an easier way to get to the front. This aircraft saw service in World War II. We're not quite sure what it did during the Korean War, but we know for certain that it also saw service in Vietnam. So it's, it's quite a war hero, this fella. Yeah. It crashed. After its service in Vietnam, it went back to the States. An enthusiast uh, used to fly it around to air shows. And one day he was coming into a place called China in uh, California and crashed. Uh, it, it was on the approach and one of his propellers went into reverse thrust and it crashed and the aircraft was written off in that accident, but the nose of the aircraft was cut off, and it came to the UK, and it went to a museum in High Wycombe, a place called Booker at High Wycombe, and that museum didn't last very long, and it was bought as a playhouse for kids. Right. <laughs> and the kids grew up, and it fell out of favour, and it finished up in a farmyard, sitting in mud, and by the time we acquired it, the bottom was, of the aircraft was well corroded, it was cut out of brambles to bring it here to the museum and it was quite tatty. And there was a lot of people scratching their heads and saying, why on earth have we acquired this thing? Because it's beyond <laughs> restoration. But we have been working on it for the last five, six years and slowly, slowly it's coming back to life. I mean, certainly looking at it now, you'd never guess that it was in any kind of state. I mean, obviously having lots of shiny perspex on the front helps something look shiny and new. But obviously, a lot of work being done. Much more work to do? Um, no, we're, we're, we're coming towards the end of it now. Uh, but what we're trying to do now is fit the nose uh, and the cockpit out to what it once was. The cockpit instrument panels are all there now and fitted and wired up so lights come on and indicators move. We're now working on the nose area where the, where the uh, bomb aimer would be. We've got the radio racks ready to go in, but there are certain more uh, shelves and, and racks that we've got to fit in first. And then 
we'll be putting in the couch that the, that the bomb aimer lay on. Half of the problem is getting the right information uh, and, and then making what we need. Working so, with so, it, yeah. So that's, that's what's going on with this at the moment. So is there anything to do with this particular project that you need any help on still? We are looking for some components to fit out the bomb aimers area and, and, and bits and pieces like that and maybe some of the radio equipment. We've moved through to the workshop area now and several more planes, bits of planes that I can see. Tell us about this one. This one is a British Aerospace Jet Provost. It was a jet aeroplane, it was a training aircraft and it was operated by the Royal Air Force in the 1960s from about 1960 onwards and it was the standard jet trainer for the Royal Air Force so it flew an instructor pilot and a student pilot and most of our jet jockeys that went on to lightnings, hunters learned to fly jet aeroplanes on this particular aircraft. The museum acquired this about two or three years ago. Initially, there was no work done on it, it was just in storage, but now we're starting to clean it up. It's a co only a cockpit section, as you can see. We're starting to clean it up so that it can be used as an exhibit for children to sit in. Or adults, I hope. Well, and adults, <laughs> yeah, but it's mainly children that like to, to sit and play pilots. Um, but we, we do get the occasional <laughs> adult that wants to sit in there. It's quite incomplete at the moment but we will be putting the instrument panels the ejector seats etc back into it once we've cleaned it up this aircraft again has spent a lot of time in the open and got into a bit of a sorry state we're slowly but surely cleaning it up i don't know how long it's going to take but we never rush these things we'd rather get it right and although it's looking sorry for itself at the moment once we clean it up so maybe the end of next year or maybe a little bit earlier it will be coming towards the end of the work we're doing on it it will be repainted in the royal air force training red and white colors uh, and hopefully it'll it'll be a nice exhibit for the museum so with this particular project what kind of jobs have been being done on it in the last couple of weeks the as you can see there's a load of skin pins in the side of the aircraft we had to take a panel off at the side there to get access. One of the, the jobs we're doing is making the canopy so it opens and closes. And is that the canopy? That's, that's the that's canopy sitting behind, sitting on the yeah. Bench, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's been quite a difficult job. We're working without manuals on this aircraft, um, and it's <laughs> it's not easy when you're trying trying to work out how things go together when you've got no idea. <laughs> Particularly if they're incomplete to start with. Exactly. Yeah. But. We're working on riveting around the skin. When it was first disposed of by the Royal Air Force, whoever acquired it first cut it up, unfortunately, with an angle grinder and made a bit of a mess. So we're Not very subtle. We're trying to um, get it ready for exhibition, and there's a lot of things, that uh, rough edges that we're trying to cl uh, clean up. We don't want people to cut themselves on this. Yes. People to cut themselves Fingers going their, where they're not necessarily uh, yeah. helpful, yes. Um, part of the floor has been repaired that in fact went in today we've got other people working on the canopy and inside where it had been left open in the open air there is an amount of corrosion on the floor area which we we're, we're cleaning up at the moment 
and we're doing jobs like polishing uh, the, the perspex canopy as you can see it's quite dirty at the moment but that will clean up and uh, after a good polish we'll we'll make that nice and clean again and i did see some intense staring at bits of chain earlier is that part of the mechanism that for is, the canopy yes that's part of the mechanism for opening and closing the canopy the last thing we want when we get it out there is for a child to sit in it close the canopy and not be able to open it again <laughs> So, Particularly now you've closed up the hole in the floor. Yes. <laughs> so we, we want to get that repaired so that um, it's working normally because I can imagine with, with children there's been lots of switches to switch on and off, but with a big canopy that you can wind open and close, they'll love that and uh, <laughs> it'll be going backwards and forwards. But we, don't want, to, we want it to work properly and, and not jam up. Unfortunately, again, we've got no manuals on this aircraft so the disassembly of the chain it's of the of the mechanism which is partly chain driven um we've had to work out how it all, all works uh, and we're trying to source parts to replace parts that are badly corroded and not working anymore and we're finding that quite difficult so uh, if anybody out there knows the jet provost and where we can acquire some of the mechanism for opening and closing this canopy uh, we'd like to hear from them this is the cockpit of a Hawker Hurricane. Uh, everybody knows of the Hurricane, the Hurricane and Spitfire, of course, the famous airplanes from the Battle of Britain. This is a project that uses a lot of original components, but also we've had to replace parts that have been corroded badly. And the Hawker Hurricane was made using a girder construction, and the tubes that form the construction of the girders are new because they've been replaced but the fish plates and brackets and, and angles are original which we managed to recover from Russia they're obviously British built but migrated out to Russia as the war went on mm -hmm. and we bought quite a lot of this back from Russia and we've got most of the bits we need to build this center section of hurricane and it's it's coming together slowly and surely and at uh, the moment it is just a, a frame isn't it yes but eventually it will finish up with ribs on the outside, which will be skinned to get that lovely round aerodynamic profile. One of the biggest jobs, believe it or not, is the pilot's seat. Which certainly isn't in there at the moment. It's not in there at the moment. It's there on the bench. Uh -huh. and it's being made from sheet aluminium. From, from scratch? From scratch, using original drawings. Luckily, we've got a few badly damaged components which has given us a guide of how it goes together and what it looks like and there is a hurricane up at Brooklands which we've been and seen and, and uh, got some details of so uh, one of the guys is making an excellent job of fabricating that seat. Um, that, that I would imagine is a proper skill you, you've, you've got the people here that have the skills to do that. Yeah the guy that's doing it actually was a fabrication engineer before he came to us and uh, he can turn his hands to most things we need here luckily. And just looking at that pilot seat, the attention to detail that goes into these projects, it would possibly be all too easy to cut some corners and not worry about things too much. Watching you working earlier, it wasn't a, oh, it doesn't really matter. It's a, well, let's try and get it right. Yeah, well, that's, the, that's the, if, you're going to, if you're going to save something for the future, obviously make the best job of it you can. And uh, the attention to detail is necessary because... We're hoping people are going to come here and look at these things and think, you know, that looks nice. It won't be original, but my goodness, it'll look original. It is, yes. That one looks like it's just come out of the factory. Well, yeah. Slowly, slowly it's coming on. As you can see, it's got the lovely curves in the right places. 
and the ribs, the, the, the structure, uh, it's coming together very, very nicely. We'll go through and okay. talk about the main project. This is our biggest project through here. Uh, Bell P63 wow. King Cobra. Now, the, um, the company that built this is an American company called Bell. Uh, and this aeroplane was built in Buffalo in New York in 1943. And it found its way to Russia. It flew out by flying across the United States along the Aleutian chain and up to Russia. And it served with the Soviet Air Force during the war. We don't have too many details of what it did or where it was, but it finished up in the Kirill Islands, which is in the North Pacific between Russia and Japan. It finished up its days as an airfield decoy aircraft there. At the end of the war, it was damaged by the Russians so that they wouldn't have to pay the Americans for the aircraft as they got, got it under lend-lease. Mm -hmm. um, the lend-lease agreement at the end of the war was you either pay for the aircraft or if they're written off, in combat, that bill would be taken care of by the American uh, government. And quite a few planes ended their days in that way, didn't they? I mean, yes, I, they did. I certainly remember hearing various stories about islands having several planes lying around, but possibly just taken apart, even. We found six of these aircraft and brought them back. All, not, not in very good condition, may I add, but they'd all uh, seen a vast amount of damage and corrosion. But where else can you pick up a Second World War fighter from? <laughs> We have started working on this. Of the six aircraft that we've got, this is probably the second best one. Why the second the and second, not the first? Right. <laughs> well, or is that a silly question? No, it's not a silly question. It's a, it's a very sensible question, actually. But the reason we've chosen the second best one as a static restoration is if there's ever in the future a chance of restoring an aircraft to flying condition, that that's number one. That, that would be the best one we use. So by choosing this one, we're still giving ourselves a chance to get an aircraft flying. This one is being restored as a static exhibit, and therefore we are working on the aircraft, but we're not doing it as we're going to fly it. That would be prohibitively expensive, and by the repairs we're doing on it, as we work our way along the aircraft, we're looking at every bit of the airplane. The primary thing is to get rid of corrosion, with old aeroplanes. That does seem to be the, the big thing. There is a big, big every project. problem. And it's being worked on by two of our volunteers. And slowly they're, they're, they're working their way through. As they come across panels or frames that are damaged by corrosion or damaged by malicious damage, they are repairing them. Every piece of metal is, is being assessed as to whether to repair it or replace it. If it has to be replaced, we can make it here. We've got the equipment to work metal. Hopefully, in most cases, we can do a repair. And all this is taken into consideration, thinking about cost and time. Mm. And so as we're putting it back together, speed isn't the essence. The idea is let's get it right first time round uh, to save having to go over anything we've done. And it's slowly being put back together, as you can see. I mean, certainly from a layperson's perspective, it looks like quite a scary project. But I guess if, if you've known it from the beginning and you know what the, the plan is, the, the volunteers can see that there is progress, that there, there is a, an, an end the, to it. There's certainly progress. Um, unfortunately, we haven't got enough people working on it to be able to see it in the next couple of years. But as a long-term project, it's, it's happening, it's slowly happening, and, and we are working on the hardest bit first, which is the, the most heavily corroded and damaged areas, 
but eventually we'll, we'll finish up with a complete aeroplane. We're hoping when we get the engine in, we'll be able to run the engine up in the airframe, mm -hmm. but of course we are not building it to fly. These aircraft have been derelict for many, many years, and uh, the damage on, on them says that this aircraft will never fly again. And, and obviously there are quite a, a lot of things missing off this aeroplane. As I said, it, it, it finished its days, an airfield decoy aeroplane just lying in the, uh, the Kiril Islands on, on a, a Russian airfield. Not being and, looked after. Well, not only was it not looked after, the weather in the North Pacific wasn't too wonderful. It was very cold and uh, obviously salt-laden atmosphere of, of uh, an island. Mm -hmm. Plus, the, we believe the Russians helped themselves, that the, the, the Russian locals wandered across the airfield and saw something on the aeroplane they'd like, so they took it off as a souvenir or whatever. We believe parts of these were used on, I don't know, if it was farm equipment or whatever. Even if it's just the raw material, yeah. presumably, yeah. yeah. So you say you've got six of these in various states. Does that mean that there's nothing missing that you would need <laughs> to complete one? On the contrary, believe it or not, on most aircraft, the same bit is damaged. <laughs> right, OK. We're coming on with things, and, and we're, um, we're having to fabricate an awful lot. But th these are very rare in the United Kingdom. The last P-63 King Cobra that was in the United Kingdom flying actually crashed at Biggin Hill Aerodrome about 10 years ago, uh, unfortunately killing the pilot. And we've actually had a couple of bits off that donated to us, which will be going on to this project e eventually. But, of course, there are many parts of American Second World War aircraft that were standard, and I'm sure there's parts out there that could help us with this project. So the team of volunteers I've seen here today, quite a, a, a large group of people looking very busy all the time. Do you need anyone else? A museum like this is always looking for volunteers, especially anybody that's got skills in engineering. But not only skills in engineering? No, 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 no. To, to run <laughs> Other a, things? No, no, to run a museum we need people that can, that can communicate, we need people that can uh, talk to visitors to the museum about what goes on at the museum and also uh, our exhibits, people that have got some knowledge of the Second World War and people who've got military knowledge. Here in the workshops, we obviously uh, are looking for anybody that's got engineering skills and for projects such as this, we desperately need people that have got sheet metal work skills, not just aircraft sheet metal work, but anybody that can work metals because the principles of working aluminium are very similar to the principles of working other metals. Your transferable skills. Yeah, yeah. But we're going to have to put a lot of rivets into this, so anybody that's got those type of skills, we'd be more than pleased to see here. And the museum is now shut until next year when it gets a little bit warmer, because inside this building it is a little bit nippy. Are there other things that are needing to be done over the winter before the museum opens again? Certainly. Um, the exhibits that we've got out there, leather flying helmets for instance mm -hmm. and this isn't the most warmest and suitable of buildings and during the winter months the damp months the cold months we do get on these old things such as leather and uh, uniforms fabric damaged because of the, the cold weather and they have to be cleaned and serviced in whatever way we can to try and save these valuable artifacts which tell our history so during the winter months it's our time for tidying up the museum, cleaning up the museum, working on preservation of what we've got on display. 
and doing our best to uh, preserve them for the future. Thank you for listening to the Wings Museum podcast. To find out more or to get in touch, visit wingsmuseum.co.uk.